This is the IDP After Show. Hello and welcome to the IDP After Show. I'm your host, Jace Abbey, and today on the show, if one Jason wasn't enough, I'm joined by another in the form of the amazing IDP mind that is Jason King of Dynasty League Football. This is the second pod in an eight-part series on the IDP After Show, where we go division by division, discussing our favorite IDP assets. Jason, I'm stoked to have you join me on the show today to discuss the NFC South. Been a big fan of yours for years. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Jace. I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's really good to have you. It's really good to have you. So for anyone that's been hiding under a rock and isn't aware of the, the fine work you do, tell us a little bit about what you get up to over at DLF. Yeah, I've been uh, covering IDP for... Gosh, I guess about three years now, uh, I started writing um, uh, kind of the outset of the COVID pandemic uh, to give myself something else to do. Um, I used to write quite a bit uh, early on in my professional career and got away from it. And I've always been a big sports fan and just kind of missed writing. So um, figured I'd give uh, IDP a shot um, on the writing side. And DLF was kind enough to give me the give me the chance. So really kind of crank out a couple articles a month over there. I've been working on the waiver wire series um, for a couple of seasons now and uh, keep up with top 150 rankings and rookie rankings and whatnot. Good stuff. Awesome. So without further ado, let's dive into the NFC South. Um, Now, Jason and I have agreed on a a top 10 list um, of our favorite guys in the division, and we're going to count them down from 10 to 1, discussing each guy as we go and why we have them ranked where we do. So I'll kick us off because I want my guests to introduce the the guy in the number one spot. So at number 10, we've got uh, Levante David. So the legend, Levante David, he's 33 years old and he's still producing like he's in the prime of his career. 128 combined tackles last year, three sacks, a couple of forced fumbles and five pass breakups. Now, clearly in in dynasty formats, David wouldn't be in our number 10 spot, right, Jason? Um but if you already have him on your roster or if you prefer redraft formats, David is about as reliable as it gets. Every down, linebackers are thin on the ground these days. And this guy has played uh, every down pretty much uh, for the last God knows how many seasons. 17 out of the last 19 games last year, uh, he was playing 100% of the snaps. So um, if our listeners aren't already aware, the IDP show uh, has hosted 29 best ball IDP drafts recently in um, by the way, David Keltown has written a, a killer article discussing the, the takeaways from all of that data for our subscribers. Um, Jason, on average, take a guess at where David was taken in terms of linebacker rankings. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm going to go with um, 38. Uh, he was 29, so okay. uh, you're not far off. But that's that's five spots behind Jordan Brooks, who may not even play until midway through the season, right? And nine spots behind uh, Josie Jewell. Um, who has a talented rookie breathing down his neck. I think that's crazy value for for David. Um, so we both had David in our sort of 7 to 10 range uh, on our individual list. So I know we sort of feel similarly about him. What's your take here? Yeah, I mean, gosh, he's just an amazing guy. Um, he's, of course, 33 now, uh, coming up on his 12th season, just still playing at this elite level. Um, has been one of the best coverage linebackers in the game for, for a while now. It really still is. Um, you know, for fantasy, he's kind of this high-end LB3. Um, and, you you know, it's at 33 years old, you just kind of wonder if there's this cliff around the next turn. But, um, I, don't, I don't. I mean, he's just as solid as they get. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned he wouldn't be this high for Dynasty, and I 
this division, you know, for this division itself, it's really kind of an older division with a lot of the assets that are here. So I don't, he may still be kind of the top 10, um, even in terms of dynasty. Um, I know he's on a one year deal, uh, came back to Tampa Bay um, after kind of testing free agency just for a little bit this off season. But I mean, you, you can do a lot worse than Labate David as your LB3. For sure. For sure. Okay. Do you want to introduce number nine? Yeah. So <laughs> I had him ranked number nine, but I, looking back at it, I really kind of feel like uh, I'm a little too low on him. So it's Frankie Louvu. So Frankie Love You, as some people will say, uh, with the Panthers. Really the first time last year, uh, uh, played more than 500 snaps. And really, I was kind of surprised at just how well he played against the run. Uh, of course, he's got you know some shortcomings in coverage. Uh, not alone um, in that aspect when it comes to linebackers, but uh, you know, 87 solos, 16 assists, just a great um, big play upside. He had seven sacks last year. Um, uh, has that in his background. Came into the league as a rush linebacker out of Washington State. Um, I think I had a ninth because I was just kind of concerned a little bit about um, you know the transition in Carolina with Evero coming over from Denver. Um, I know they're not going to play two full-time linebackers in that scheme. And I guess they just have a little bit of concerns that maybe, you know, Thompson is more of uh, the field general full-time guy. And we may see ever, I mean, uh, Louvu snaps, you know, dip by just a little bit, but you know, he's also got that upside to slide outside to the edge and, and rush the passer. So I'm, I'm probably overreacting a little bit to the scheme change in Carolina. Um, but yeah, number, number nine is Frankie Louvu. What are you thinking? Yeah, I I really like Louvu. I wrote about him in the uh, IDP show draft kit. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying there. I'm a bit concerned with Evero. You know, there's always a concern when a new DC comes in, isn't there, right? You know, all the guys going to be, they're going to be playing at the same level uh, and the same number of snaps they were playing the in the years previous. Um, I do think that uh, Thompson and Louvu can coexist in the same scheme, but I am projecting a slight dip in snap volume for Louvu. I think, even if he gets 750 snaps, though, um, I think he can still produce on a similar level, um, maybe slightly below what he saw, what we saw last year. Um, will he get 100 combined tackles again? I'm, 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 I wouldn't bet big on it. Um, but there's a there's a lack of other sort of viable options on that on that roster. Um, so, yeah, unless you're a big sort of Brandon Smith fan, um, I I don't think I don't think we're going to see a huge drop off from from Luby this year. Um, yeah. I agree. Number nine's a good spot for him. Yeah, and those seven sacks were probably going to be a little bit hard to replicate. Yeah, he, you know, he didn't have the the pressure volume to support seven sacks. Really, um, he'd need to produce more pressure, I think, to to maintain that number going forward. But um, yeah, I, th- I can I yeah I can see where you're coming from. A slight drop off in snaps, maybe a slight drop off in production, but um, yeah, I, I kind of I'm a, I'm a big fan. He was the LB five in um, big three scoring last year. Um, which surprised me a little bit, I've got to admit. But, you know, he's uh, he's he's got every chance under the new DC, so let's see what he can do. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to overrate him a little bit. Um, you know, we <laughs> I think we have a tendency to think really fondly of players that we don't really expect to play at a really high level and produce yeah. for us at like a, a position one type level and Lulu did for us last year. And so I think it's kind of natural tendency to really um, – like someone and overrate them a little more than you might typically do for sure yeah maybe um maybe one for best ball yeah yeah absolutely great best ball yeah. pick. cool so number eight 
we've got um, Demario Davis. Um, so I, I love Davis's story. I, I had him pegged for years as one of those guys that didn't play very well, but always produced. Uh, and then he came to the Saints quite quite late in his career at this point and became uh, a much better player. Um, so. You know, 100 tackles every year was always a reliable source of sacks, given he rushed the passer over 100 times every year as well under sort of Dennis Allen. But, um, you know, on the surface, his 2022 campaign looks like his best fantasy season with a career-high nine sacks. But I've got some causes for concern. His tackle rate was amongst the lowest in the league. Uh, His missed tackle rate was his worst in seven, eight years. And those nine sacks came on only 18 pressures. So, you know, nobody produces a finishing rate uh, on that level. Uh, sustainably over the course of many years. So I've got slight concerns about his longevity, um, but I've been wrong with Davis before, so I'm willing to be wrong again. What's your thoughts? Yeah, you know, this is, I probably need to slide him a little bit down in my rankings. He's uh, probably more of an LP4 at this point of his career. You know, he's 34 years old, again, kind of like um, Levante David just keeps on going. Uh, but still got, you know, he still has a lot of high upside due to those big plays. Um, he's an excellent blitzer. Um, I think he had seven sacks last season. Um, still has a couple of seasons left on his contract in New Orleans. And I don't, I don't know, you know, there's obviously a guy we're going to talk about a little bit later, Pete Warner there, but I don't think there's really a big threat to his role um, with Caden Ellis off to Atlanta now. So I, I think he's a solid guy to have as a back-end starter uh, at linebacker. Fair enough. I think I'm slightly, ever so slightly lower on him than you, but I take I take your points, you know. it's uh, It's all good stuff. So... Uh, who have you got number seven? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got Luby's teammate Shaq Thompson there at number seven. Um, you know, he's 29 years old, got a couple of years left on his deal in Carolina. I, I believe he took a pay cut um, to stay there. Um, you know, even coming off a career high 135 tackle season, um, he's just been such you know consistent producer. Um, had 100 tackles uh, for the fourth year in a row. I think it was 70. I've got 78 solos and 57 assists for last year. Um, but, you know, he's also aging. Um, I wonder how he's going to fit in Evero's scheme. Um, you know, again, is he going to be like the second linebacker uh, to Lubu, or is he going to be that guy that probably plays up in the 90% snap range? So there's a little bit of uncertainty here. And, um, yeah, I, I really like Thompson. I've got him rostered on a lot of spots just because he's – it seems like um, – He's always available after the top tier guys and has been, you know, really an acceptable LB1, LB2 um, if you've got good depth um, amongst your LB starters. So I do like Thompson uh, a little bit more than Luvu, but I could see that switching up. Yep. I uh, I'm, I feel similarly. I I always seem to end up with Thompson uh, in drafts, and I think his value is, is always pretty good. He's the LB41 across the 29 best ball drafts um, from the IDP show. Um, which to me is, is really good value considering people like uh, Christian Harris is the LB33 and uh, Rashawn Evans, who he doesn't yet have a job, is just two spots behind him. Um, you know, I get it. He's not flashy. Thompson isn't flashy, right? But he's he's pretty steady, as you said. He's uh, career high in tackles last year. Um, granted, Luva was playing ahead of him for the first four four games for the first month of the season. But, you know, Thompson came back and, and had pretty much an every down role from from there on in. So um, is is some of that sort of lack of love for Thompson rooted in concerns that he might not maintain that full-time role under Evero, maybe. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really share the same concerns. I, I think he's uh, a pretty solid fantasy asset. And like you say, 
an LB2, mid-range LB2 maybe, um, but one that he's been pretty reliable over the past. For sure. Okay, so next guy we've got is Jeremy Chin. So Chin, for me, is one of the more interesting guys we're going to chat about on this episode. Um, and I'll, I will start by saying that I do value uh, our, our DBs a little bit lower than most in fantasy. And it's not really a, a scoring thing. Um, it's more about sort of position scarcity at other positions. So I, I constantly ask myself the question, if I, if I take a DB high, what am I left with at, at LB um, or DE, DL? Um, whenever I hit DBs too early, I always end up feeling too, too shallow at those other positions. And again, David Keltown's article on the IDP show site talks about the win rate of teams that take DBs quite high. With Chin, there are some question marks. You know, the Panthers signed Von Bell, who has primarily been a, a box safety over the course of his career, right? And they've got uh, Xavier Woods, who's the deep safety there. So, um, we know Chin is going to play. It's just a question of where. And I think the most likely outcome is that he continues to play in the slot as he did so heavily last year. Um, I've seen other concerns from other analysts. Um, I'm not rubbishing those concerns, but they're talking about how uh, Chin's production was uh, was poor last year in the games that he played. But he missed time and his tackle rate was pretty much near identical um, to the season before when he played primarily in the box. So... I'm not going to say I'm bullish on Chin. I'm just not as concerned as others might be. He's a cornerstone of that defense. He's going to play. It's just a question of where. Yeah, I would agree. You know, he's, I mean, he's really a versatile guy. You know, he can play either safety spot. He can play linebacker. He can play the overhang. You know, as you mentioned, he plays slot, so he's in the nickel. Um, I think what really kind of he missed on uh, last year, which, you know, he, well, coming off that rookie season where he had that, I know he had that two-touchdown game. Um, he really didn't have a lot of big plays last year, so I don't think he had any turnovers, um, which of course is going to hurt him, um, you know, in the points uh, at the point side. But um, and yeah, I mean, he's coming off that season in which he missed uh, six games with a hamstring injury. Um, you know, it, it's he he. You're right. He's he's kind of a question mark, but he's he's such a solid player that I think there's no chance he's going to not play a real full time role as long as he stays healthy. Um, I'm kind of wondering if it, he, he will kind of stay closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, I know that uh, the previous coaching staff had talked a good bit about moving him further off the line to you know, preserve his long-term health. Um, but I, I'm not so sure that's going to be the case uh, next year. I think that um, you know he's, he's probably going to continue to play that versatile role and keeping him up near the line of scrimmage is, is certainly good for his value. And my hope is that he's able to, you know, kind of, um, get a couple of big plays in, maybe get a touchdown or two, and uh, that I think that'll boost his value by quite a bit because his tackle floor is going to be there. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't know what your philosophy is on those big plays. I don't tend to follow them as closely as, as others do, so I I don't think they're as sticky to steal Tom Case word as, as some other stats. So I don't I don't worry too much when I see a player that hasn't produced big plays um, in one particular season, unless there's a career sort of history, a track record over the course of their career that they've not been able to do that. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. It's not a sticky stat. Um, you, you can't really rely upon it, which is why I don't ding Chen uh, for not having it last year. I, and like I said, I think that the, you know, the coaching staff um, with that's there, I think that they probably recognize that, you know, they could probably put him in a position to, um, to make big plays uh, and just have a larger impact on the defense. So uh, while you can't rely upon it, uh, I do think that they're aware of uh, the lack of turnovers that he had last year, and they're going to put him in a spot where 
he can be more effective in that in that aspect of the game. Okay, cool. So who do you got at five? Yep, uh, another safety, and I'm kind of with you there. Like I don't overvalue. I typically will not come out of the draft uh, with you know the elite level safeties, but I do have Antoine Whitfield here. Um, you know, just a fantastic, really one of the better young safeties in the game for the Bucks. And um, I, I guess I have a question too about him. I'm, I'm assuming that he's probably going to stick more in the role that he had last year as kind of a, a nickel's quarter, kind of a slot defender. Um, he was so good uh, as a rookie. I, I watched him quite a bit as a rookie uh, just to get, get a feel for um, how he was going to produce at the NFL level. And he was, you know, um, kind of a post single high player. Just came downhill so well. You know, I think you hear sometimes about quarterbacks that just see the game a lot quicker than other players do. And to me, uh, Winfield, when he's playing on that deep, deep backside of the defense, like he really sees things well and it allows him to quick trigger and come up. And I'm kind of hoping he's, he's back there again. I know it's kind of weird to say a lot of people don't like to have their uh, safeties play in the deep safety role, but I think Winfield's just an elite level player. And when he when he sees things um, develop in front of him, he's really quick to react. Um, but I think he can he can do well as a slot defender um, in that slot defender role too, which he he did last year. I know he had some injury concerns, had some issues, missed some games, um, but just an elite defender. And uh, I tend to uh, if I've got a question about you know like is this guy good or not, <laughs> that's typically like a deciding factor uh, when I'm drafting if I'm. I'm trying to decide between two guys. I'm typically just going to go with whoever I feel is the better, uh, the better player. And Winfield's just to me, he's an elite defender uh, at the pro level. Yep, fair point. So Winfield's probably the only player that we that we disagreed on with this list. He wasn't in my top ten actually, and it's not that I don't like him. He's a he's a hell of a player, and like you say, he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, it just for me, it just comes back to that point I made about DBs. Um, with chin so if i take winfield as early as other people do what am i left with at other positions that are harder to find full-time full-time starters let alone good full-time starters that can produce all the time with that said you know winfield is an impactful player like you said whether that's sort of sacks force fumbles plays in coverage he's clearly one of the best dbs in the league people may have cooled him in a little bit i think last year after last year but he's another guy who missed sort of four or five games and that's that's got to be taken into account so I'm not going to argue too too strongly on this one. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for not arguing. You're welcome. You, um, you know, I, I do. I would say, like, I think a lot of people do have a bias against uh, players that they would consider to be free safeties. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that um, that resulted in Minka Fitzpatrick being a value for many years, and I think Winfield's kind of the same way. I don't. I don't know that he's quite the value that um, Fitzpatrick was early on in his career, but. Uh, yeah, I just I think he's just a special player, and I always I always just like getting those guys on on my team and and rooting for him because that's part of the you know fantasy supposed to be fun. That's part of the fun for me. It's just uh, watching the guys that I really like watching. So and Winfield's one of them. Well, that's a really good point. You know, um, we play this to have fun. Um, we can get too much into the the analytical side of things sometimes, and sometimes it's just fun to have your favorite players on your team, right? And to and to root for them. I do the same with. Uh, it just so happens that Derwin James being one of my, if not my favorite player, also happens to be fantastic in fantasy as well. So I'm lucky in that sense. But there's others that I can think that fall into that same sort of category as Winfield for you. Um, and yeah, it's supposed to be fun. Let's play it to have fun, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next guy we've got up is Troy Anderson. Um, 
So Rashawn Evans is gone. Uh, Walker fell out of favor. And it's a reasonable assumption that the new boy, Caden Ellis, will be used in a similar way as he was uh, with the Saints because he's playing under his, uh, his, his old DC again. Um, so that means quite a few snaps on the edge. As I said in the IDP draft show kit, um, or IDP show draft kit, Troy Anderson should become a full-time linebacker, I think, this year. And if you don't already have him on your roster, I think you might have already missed your window. I'm not super uh, bullish about Anderson this year, but I, I I feel reasonably strongly that there's there's no other option there, really. They're not going to go back to Walker unless they sign somebody else. I think Anderson's in line for a heavy, a heavy, heavy snap count, a heavy snap share this year. What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Um, I, I loved him as a prospect. Um, and yeah, I think he's, it, unless for whatever reason they decided they would bring back Evans, which I would hope they would not, um, he, he'll certainly be the starter this year next to next to Ellis. Um, you know, as a played running back, played quarterback, linebacker when he was in college at Montana State, just kind of a great size, speed prospect. Um, now coming into year two, one thing I noticed with him, as a rookie as he really comes down hill hard. I mean, just like with a vengeance. So I think with Anderson and Ellis, um, they've got some big play sack upside um, for Nielsen, Ryan Nielsen, the new defensive coordinator. Uh, I know Nielsen didn't draft Anderson. Um, you know, he's coming in replacing Dean Pease who retired. Um, but he really seems kind of like uh, just this great fit in the same way that Demario Davis was with the saints. Uh, Pete Warner, the same, same, same thing. And Ellis, um, you know, yeah, he was he was pretty bad as a rookie at times last year. Uh, you know, newsflash, most rookie linebackers are absolutely god-awful, so try not to hold that against him. But, uh, yeah, for sure, he's he's really a sought-after dynasty, dynasty asset. Um, and if it, I think if it works out, you know, we've got a potential LB1 on our hands there with Anderson. Yep, yep. Um, so the next guy, another linebacker, uh, is Pete, uh, Pete Werner. You know, uh, again, like I'm – Took our list. I sent you my list, and looking back at it, I really, I really wish I had Werner. I think you had him at two. I wish I had him at two. So we'll pretend like he's number two. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, you know, he's lined up for. He was lined up for a really good second season. He had just this really impressive rookie year. Probably a little bit unexpected um, coming out of Ohio State for him to be quite as good as he was at the NFL level. But uh, last year ended up missing five games due to an ankle injury. Um, I don't think, and looking at him when he came back, I don't think he probably should have come back from the from the injury. He was obviously not the same player that he was through the first eight weeks of the season um, when he put up these low end LB one numbers for us. But he's got this great skill, three down skill set. Um, really has some nice tackle upside there in New Orleans, and you know he's coming into his third year. He's a great young player. Um, really, probably going to be a cornerstone for the Saints defense for years to come, and just. Like I said, probably the second best um, dynasty and fantasy asset in this division. Yeah, I, I really like his, his outlook. He started last year really impressively. He had a couple of d- double-digit tackle games in the first three or four games. Um, and then, as you say, he missed some time down the stretch and, and wasn't quite the same guy when he came back. I mean, is this the year Davis gives way to the uh, the youngster? Uh, there's a good, very good chance. Uh, I think, uh, as I mentioned when I discussed uh, Davis earlier on, there's some concerns I have with Davis last year. Some of those um, stats and, 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 and whatnot that are perhaps a bit less obvious when you start to dig under the surface there. Um, but yeah, Werner's flashed enough talent um, 
to show that, yeah, when he's given the chance, he, he can deliver. Um, you know, he's, he was far from perfect last year. He missed, he missed more tackles than we'd like. Um, and granted, I think his range of outcomes is a little larger than some of the guys, maybe even that are slightly below him on this list. But I'm a believer in his talent. Um, and I think his outlooks look, outlook looks really good for the year ahead. Yeah, for sure. And I think you could probably buy him. If you're looking to buy, uh, you can probably get him on a little bit of a dip coming off the injury year. Yeah, for sure. Um, so number two, um, this this guy drives me crazy sometimes. So it's Devin White. Um, he's he's frustrating in fantasy, right? He's, he's surpassed 100 tackles um, in each of the last three years. And his sack numbers are... Uh, as good as any inside linebacker, um, save for sort of Demario Davis, but he also disappears in games. Um, and in many ways, his value would actually increase uh, in most fantasy scoring systems if he didn't spend 150 snaps per season rushing the passer. Um, the trade request doesn't really bother me or change his value because I think he was just clearly looking for more money, right? Um, what does concern me about White is, is the missed tackles and the ability in coverage. I'm not a huge fan of his as a player, but these are concerns uh, about him as an NFL player uh, and as a fantasy asset. You know, once again, he'll play every snap when healthy. Those big plays will continue and he'll probably finish the season as an LB1, a low-end LB1. What do you think? Yeah, he probably will, even though he's everybody's favorite linebacker to hate on because, you know, honestly, he's just not very good at anything other than rushing the passer. You know, 17 sacks over three seasons. So he's got that big play upside and then there's going to be those weeks he carries your team, and uh, that's that's created a lot of fans. But yeah, he's got those weeks where he disappears too, and that hurts. Um, I know he's on you know the final year of his rookie deal. Team picked up his fifth year option a couple of seasons ago, so he's there again. Um, yeah, I don't I didn't really know what to make of the trade request. I guess he is probably just looking for more for more money, and probably looking for some security. Um, but I, I also know that probably really didn't sit that well with the team. Um, looking at some of the comments. Uh, after the draft, you know, coaches, coaching staff, DC talking about that trade request. They didn't seem too happy about him coming out and saying that publicly. So, um, I could, you know, this is kind of one of those, uh, fantasy assets that I don't know that it would really surprise everyone if, uh, if it went south and, and went south soon. So, um, you know, I've got him as second or third IDP in this division. Um, I don't have any shares of seven white if I had any. I would say I would not hesitate to move on just simply due to the uncertainty and volatility of his situation. And he's just, you know, he's like the opposite of Winfield. He's just not that good a player other than just rushing the quarterback. So very limited. And I'm curious to see kind of what his market looks like when he hits the hits uh, the free agency uh, next offseason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those players that, you know, as you said that about Winfield, I was thinking the same thing. Very, very, very opposites in terms of how, yeah, he's a good player, uh, Winfield, but sometimes doesn't always produce in fantasy, whereas uh, White just seems to produce despite not being a good player. But um, yeah, I'm with you. If I had him, I'd probably love to trade him. Um, so tell us who's number one. Number one, no surprise to anybody, it's Brian Burns, uh, the edge rusher from Carolina. He's, you know, he's not really at the, Michael Parsons, Nick Bosa, Max Crosby, Miles Garrett level. Um, probably just a notch below them, but he's really lived up to that first-round draft billing uh, that he got a few seasons ago. Um, he's he's a very good to elite pass rusher. Um, you know, 12 sacks uh, last season, 35 over his uh, first four seasons. Um, I like to kind of dig into some 
they're not really deep metrics, but I came up with this plays in the backfield score. I've written about it over on DLF. Um, but it's it all it is, it's pretty simple. It takes quarterback hits, adds in tackles for loss. So what things you can actually measure are not very subjective when it comes to um, an, uh, a player getting into the backfield. Then you divide it by snaps and multiply it by 100 to give you the score. And so Burns last year was uh, 4.10. Uh, that was 25th among all players, 17th among edges, um, who who played more than 500 snaps. So not quite top 10 um, in the NFL, but certainly tops in the division. And um, yeah, he's only 25. Now he came into came into the league young, um, just a really, 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 really good young edge rusher. What do you think about Brian Burns? Yeah, he's uh, like you say, he's, he's he's only 25 and only just turned 25 as well. You know, he played last year. He was 24 all of last year. It's it's crazy. You just kind of forget because it feels like he's been in the uh, the league for for longer. But um, yeah, Adam on the IDP show predicted Burns would have a a career year, and he must be feeling pretty smug right now after what we saw uh, in 2022. So you know, like you say, double digit sacks. He had a career high in pressures. Um, yeah. There's a lot to like. We've got to be careful with uh, in-season splits sometimes. There's there's a lot of variables that can go into that. But I really like how Burns finished the year with uh, at least half a sack in six of his last eight games and had multiple sacks in two of those eight games as well. Um, like you say, he's not yet joined the elite players at the position, but on his current trajectory, I think, we could be talking about him uh, as one of those elite players by the end of this season, I think, or at least the back end of that group. Um he finishes the DL7 in big three scoring last year. So, yeah, Burns is my number one. We both agreed on this one. Um, but, yeah, he's just, yeah, just needs to take that that next step, doesn't he, I think, to join that to join that really elite crew of, uh, of guys at the top end. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking back to last season. I believe the Rams offered, was it, was it L.A. that offered two first-round picks for, for Burns and Carolina rebuffed them? Does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> yeah, sounds familiar. I don't remember the specifics, but yeah, I can I can understand why they would. Um, they could really do with them now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> absolutely. It's kind of surprising. I I really thought that uh, Carolina would come out of the off season with a better number two edge rusher, and they really did not. So I guess you know if you're one of those folks that really looks um, at the other side and uh, takes that into account when you're drafting your edge rushers, it's not a good. Not a good thing for Burns, but hasn't really seemed to bother him so far in his career. That's the thing, right? He's continued to produce despite having nothing on the other side. Um, gross Matos is gross, so yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been pretty pretty empty over there. But Burns keeps delivering, and he's he's getting better as well, um, which is which is great to see. So that's our top ten. Um, it's an interesting top ten. It's an interesting division to go over. Who who didn't make your top ten that you want to mention? Is there anyone that uh, you feel should have uh, or or could have just about broken into that top ten, but didn't quite get there. Well, I won't. I won't mention Caden Ellis. I'm going to imagine that you're going to talk about him, so I'll leave him there. Um, uh, you know, Derek Derek Brown. Uh, speaking of Panthers defensive line, he kind of had a breakout 2022, 67 tackles. Panthers just picked up his fifth year option. Um, I think that uh, you know he's probably one of those. Uh, if you're in a defensive tackle required leagues. Um, you know, he's, he's an ascending asset. Um, and then I, I don't, I don't know if I really like him or not, but Arnold Ebiketti over in Atlanta, um, they've got to have somebody to rush off the edge. I know that Ryan Nielsen likes bigger defensive ends. They just, they really don't have much, um, in terms of star power. So 
I don't know. I guess I'm kind of hoping that he'll take, um, you know, the second year leap and um, just kind of keeping my eye on him. How about yep. you? I want to hear you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My my main guy is uh, Shaquille Barrett. So I think um, he's he's a forgotten man. He's the DL 49 in uh, our best balls lately, uh, 29 best balls. That's I think that's a criminal, uh, criminally low rating for 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 Barrett. His grand, you know, he's coming off of the the Achilles uh, tear, which is which is no joke, right? Um, and he may not make it back to even close to what he was before. But if he does get back to even close to what he was before, then he's going to be the steal of your IDP draft. He's in the three years between 2019 and 2021, he had uh, 43 sacks and an insane 256 total pressures in just three seasons. You know, he's not young anymore. He's, uh, but he's not exactly old either at 30. And the Bucks just, they don't really have much by way of other edge rushers on the roster. We're still waiting for Tryon Shrienka to uh, to justify that first round first round selection they invested in him. Anthony Nelson's more of a, a role player. Um, and, uh, you know, the rookie, Diaby, is not going to be delivering the goods from day one. So they kind of need Barrett back. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my one. Um, so, yeah, vet's done. Let's talk a couple of rookies. Um, which rookies do you fancy from the NFC South to make an impact uh, either this year or in the in the near future? Yeah, you know, we, we were kind of talking before the show started that this is not exactly the most exciting division. Uh, when you're looking at IDP rookies, there are a few guys that we discussed. Um, he's, he's not my tops, but I'll talk probably a little bit more about um, Isaiah Foskey just because I think that um, while he, you know, he's got some haters, he played at Notre Dame, so he's going to have some haters and he's going to have some fans out there. Uh, but he really kind of, I think, came into a nice landing spot. Um, he's really... Uh, if you look at his metrics, he's he's pretty much a Marcus Davenport clone. Um, they're like the if I don't know if you're into relative athletic scores, but these guys are twins when it comes to the RAS. Um, he's pretty smooth. Um, looked like a first round talent at times when he uh, was at Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you know with you know the Saints have Cameron Jordan there. Um, he's almost 34 years of age now. Uh, they've got Carl Granderson who's coming off a nice year, and then they've got uh, Peyton Turner who probably coming up on bust status, even though he's a first-round pick. So I think that, you know, Foskey could be set up really well um, to see some real IDP value probably after this season. Yeah, I like that pick. Go ahead on Foskey. Oh, sorry, I didn't. I like that pick. He's, uh, you know, holds the sack record for the uh, the fighting Irish. And as you say, Jordan's getting no younger. Granderson, you know, he he finished the year well, but he's still unproven. And, uh, and Turner and, and Passignon, they're not they're not anything to write home about, right? So, yeah, good good selection. Who are your favorite guys? I know you know Canty and Brian Brisse. Yeah, those those are the two. Those are the two. You know, Canty's not a complete player. He's um, he's not going to be an every down guy. He's uh, he's got work to do in terms of uh, maybe adding a little bit of weight to his frame um, to help against the run a little more than he than he currently does. But as a pass rusher. Uh, which is what we want for fantasy for the most part. Um, he's he, he could make he could have some big games even in his rookie year, but we're just gonna have to expect some some horribly quiet games amongst those as well. Um, it's interesting him landing with uh, Vita Vea. That they're, they're, they're very different types of players that could ultimately be playing a very similar position. Um, but yeah, I like Kansi. He's probably my number one rookie in the division. And then uh, Bressy, who you mentioned. Um, you know he moves he moves so well for such a big guy um 
and there's a bit of position versatility versatility there because he um you know some of his best games towards the end of his last season were spent um at the uh, on the outside so yeah i mean i, I, I kind of like Rusty. I, I kind of pull for him as well because of what he's been through um it's uh, it's one of those stories that um yeah makes you makes you really want to root for a guy um but yeah as far as fantasy is concerned i i kind of like his his talent his potential um and his landing spot as well they don't really have much at that position what do you think yeah no i'm totally with you he's um he's i want i want to pull for him too um i'm an nc state guy north Carolina state guy through and through so clemson um we battled it out in the acc division with them for years now so played for the rival school down in in south carolina but uh i'm a i'm actually a big fan of his and i you know some of the things i noticed with him was he he kind of get loses the leverage game a little too much, and I think once he kind of gets that fixed, um, he's really going to be an outstanding defensive tackle. And so I, I really like his upside and can't see. Um, I really like taking him in drafts, just especially dynasty drafts, just because of the upside. Um, you know, he's yeah, he's not going to be um, Aaron Donald. Uh, he gets that comp quite a bit, you know, being from Pitt. He's not going to be that, but uh, just a great upside as a pass rusher. And, you know, if you, you know, you've got Vita, Vita Bay, as you mentioned, you can kind of take up those uh, two gaps and then um, you're hoping that Cansey can uh, really flash as a three tech and work his way into the backfield. And he was just, just a monster at college. So uh, yeah, those are, to, to me, those are absolutely the three guys worth talking about. Everybody else is just, I mean, pick them up off the waiver wire. If you want to take a swing at anybody else, they're nothing but waiver wire guys that's it you know we we talked about a couple of the other guys um but it's it's difficult to to really project you know the diab is dj johnson zach harris and jamie robinson we're kind of like you say it's not the best division for those rookies so yeah those top three guys we talked about are the ones to they really focus on i think aren't they yeah for sure if you wanted to talk about one other guy i might i might say and i'm gonna mess up his last name um also from pitt uh seracier dennis so i mean i'll let you that does it yeah, he's solid. Um, he was a solid player at Pitt, but uh, you know you've got both um, both uh, linebackers in Tampa Bay are on one year deals. So if for for whatever reason both are gone at the end of this year and uh, they just need to plug in bodies back there, it could be Dennis. Interesting, interesting. I'll keep an eye. Out. I don't know a huge amount about him to be honest with you, so um, I'd have to uh, defer to you on that. But I'll keep I'll keep my eyes peeled. I'll think of you when he when he when he assumes that number one spot and becomes an LB one next year. You'll probably never think of me because you're probably <laughs> never <heard> of me. <laughs> Okay, look, Jason. So I've taken enough of your time here. Thanks so much for for joining me for this episode. It's been a blast. I hope you've had as much fun as I have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first time podcast, so really appreciate you having me on, Jace. And um, yeah, look forward to doing it again sometime. Oh, you've killed it. So before we wrap things up, remind listeners where to find you on Twitter. Yeah, so my Twitter handle um, is good to be J King. And I'm not totally active on Twitter. Um, if you're, but I will, I will interact there. So, uh, but yeah, you can find my work over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Been writing there for a few years now, and um, yeah, that's where I'm at. And I can, I can vouch. Definitely worth checking out your your fine work. So uh, that about does it. Thanks to our listeners. Uh, we hope you found this useful. If you aren't already a subscriber, heading over to the idpshow.com and subscribe. Uh, for only $5 a month, you can get access to some amazing IDP content, including the draft kit, 
rankings, articles, and more, all to help you dominate your fantasy IDP leagues. Bye for now. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>